Ethan, what is Forrest Gump's password? Not again, huh? One Forrest one. <laughs> okay, that's another good one. <laughs> Am I warming up to these? <laughs> I love my dad jokes. Mm. Anyway, our book is not a joke. Our book is not a joke. Yes, I did, in fact, write a book. Not a joke book, but a book about podcasting. Become a podmaster, everything you need to know to master the art of podcasting. And that's what this podcast series is about. Kind of practical applications and examples to go with the book. Because the book just deals with the theory of it, you know, and all the things you need to do. This podcast is where we spoke to some interesting podcasters and, and people who are in the industry and finding out more about how they do it. And I must say that some of these interviews are fascinating, eh? Yeah, no, seriously. And just on the book, it's available on Bear.media on our website or on virtually every book. It's on Take-A-Lot, it's on Amazon, it's on Barnes & Noble, it's on the Japanese uh, bookshop. It's everywhere. Just go Google it and you'll find it somewhere. Or go to your favorite online bookstore and if they don't have it, let me know and we will put it there. But it should be there. We've spoken about all the pre-planning you need to do. We've spoken a little bit about the production and managing guests in, in previous episodes. And if you haven't heard that yet, please go and look on our website. You'll find them all there. Today, we're talking a little bit about my expertise. your area of expertise, editing, the actual post-production, part of the post-production process. So, Ethan, tell us a little bit about your history and why you are the pod editing master. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. So I am a audio post producer. I'm a radio producer by trade. And how I got into it was at the very beginning of university at the University of Pretoria, I had already had an interest in music production. It was something I was fiddling with in high school, downloaded some music production software and decided, hey, Tux FM, the local campus radio station has an intake and is looking for audio producers. So I was like, okay, easy way to learn about audio production and to maybe meet some people along the way. Fast forward five years later, I had dropped my degree and had been doing radio production basically full-time as almost a career. At that point, I was just getting a stipend, but I had become a manager there. I had won a radio award, South African radio award for my production. And this really became the focus of my kind of whole career going forward. After university, Hendrik and I joined a online radio station where I did a lot of things, but a lot of production and a lot of production training. After the online radio station, I eventually did freelance podcast production for clients in America and Canada. And then we started Bad Media, which is a podcast and production company. About a year into Bad Media, I got a really massive opportunity to be the technical producer for Breakfast with Martin Bester on Jack Randa FM. It's a commercial radio station with over 1.2 million listeners. And I spend my very early mornings from about 5 a.m. till about 11 a.m. producing a breakfast radio show every single day. So that's high-pressure work, isn't it? It's insane. It really is a job that I think you have to have a very specific personality for. My margins are measured in seconds. Martin will decide, hey, we're going to do this. You have 30 seconds and I'm going to go live. And then I just have to make something happen. So my job entails sourcing content for the show, deciding who goes on air, editing people's voice notes, producing promos, producing anything that could potentially feasibly happen from a production perspective on this radio show. So that's broadly where I come from as an editor. So having edited so many podcast episodes, what are the biggest mistakes you see people make when they record podcast 
I'm going to talk about this mostly from a technical perspective. The biggest mistake that I see people make is that they forget that it's a pre-recorded medium. And what I mean by this is sometimes there'll be an issue that occurs during a recording. Someone's microphone is at the wrong volume. There's a dog barking in the background. Any number of things can happen. And many podcasters will just kind of gloss over this and try to continue instead of just taking a second to stop, go back and start the sentence again. We throughout the recording sessions of this podcast have taken many, many times. See, as we speak right now, I'm going to leave this in intentionally. This is the kind of stuff that needs to be cut out, right? <laughs> yeah. When you don't quite have your words together and you really need to just take a second and figure out what you want to say. So. The biggest tip I would give to anybody is remember, it's all pre-recorded. You can always stop and re-record something if there's a mistake. Because this leads me to my second biggest tip. Editors are not miracle workers. If it's bad going in, it is very difficult to make it good coming out. So that's what we say in the book. Garbage in, garbage out. 1,000%. Editors can do a lot. They can cut things out. They can shift things around. They can apply effects. But there are many things that just cannot be fixed. If you're recording with one microphone and you're talking over each other, there's no way to pull that apart. If there's massive background noise and there's a giant fan in the background, no amount of effect is going to make that sound okay. As you experienced when you had rain during one of your Hypnosis Works podcast recordings. Indeed. It was a tin roof and the rain came pouring down and we had limited time to record and we had to finish. And it was like, it's impossible to fix afterwards. You just can't hear anything. Remember when we sent our reporter when we were at the, the online radio station to a, an event and she came back and everything she had recorded was unusable because it was there was some, some technical issue with the sound. It was just it's a whole weekend of work just down the toilet because it was unusable. So editors are not miracle workers. You really can't fix that stuff. Even the most highly qualified sound engineer in the world will still just tell you re-record it. And then this brings me to my third tip, which is listen back to your content. After we recorded the very first episode of this, we made sure that the audio sounds reasonable. You have to make sure that things actually sound right, especially if you're doing lots of recordings and you aren't necessarily able to monitor them. So, you know, use headphones. <laughs> We're not using headphones as we speak, but we are looking at the audio as it is recording and checking the levels so we have a fair idea of what's going on there. Those are the main tips. Remember that it's pre-recorded. You can always go back and change something in the recording. Editors aren't miracle workers. If there's a problem, you likely can't fix it. and It's, it's, it's going to be very hard to fix it. And listen to your recordings before you finish it up. Hmm. You don't want to have to re-record. I think when you're a startup or a newbie podcaster, editing is the thing that, that seems completely overwhelming. And I mean, we've had experience of people on our mentoring programs that said, look, I'm not even interested in the, in the editing part of it. I want somebody else to do it. Is it a skill that you can learn? And at what point do you give that job to some professional like yourself and go like, look, here's the audio. Please can you order, edit it for me? So yeah, editing is definitely a very learnable skill, especially in the age we live in now, there are a tremendous amount of resources out there. There is free software. And ultimately, the basics of editing are not that hard. It's just time consuming. I always tell people, if you can edit a Microsoft Word document, you can edit a piece of audio. It's the exact same skill set. You highlight things, you delete them, you copy things, you paste things. Why would you use a professional, however? The reality is that if you're not inclined to it, 
Editing is a very tedious process. It takes a long time to do properly. That being said, I've seen editors like yourself and like our other editor who does it in record time. You like, you know, it's like half an hour later, here it comes back and it's all polished and done. Like, how the hell did you do that? That's a function of hundreds of hours of practice. So, for example, we just taught the virtual assistant, Eloise, who is working with our podcaster, Barbara, from our most recent mentoring program, how to do the very basics of editing. I gave her a very broad overview and she edited her very first clip. 10-minute long podcast recording, and all that she wanted to do was just cut out some ums and ahs, tighten it up a bit. She eventually took a 10-minute recording and made it an eight-and-a-half-minute recording. So she cut out a fair amount of stuff. It took her three hours to do Mm. for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. of audio. Once you've gotten really, really experienced with editing, it maybe will start taking about two times the length of the audio to edit. So if it's an hour-long recording, it'll take you two hours to do a very basic edit where you're just cutting out major issues and you're not doing much else. Just for interesting, how long is it going to take you to edit our little... I keep on saying little. It's not that little. Our podcast. This one's going to take a while because this is not an editing job anymore. We've moved from editing to full-scale production. Editing is purely what it sounds like. You're taking a piece of audio and you're trimming out the fat. What I'm going to have to do with these podcast episodes is full-scale production where I'm taking the audio, editing it first, so cropping it down to, I think, what the essentials are, cutting out things that I don't want in it. Then I'm going to have to include all the clips that we've referenced throughout the, the podcast, all the different interview clips. Those all had to be edited individually itself, categorized, labeled, and then put into the session. Then I'm going to put in music, rearrange some content because some of the stuff we recorded after recording other things and we realized our flow wasn't 100% correct. So there's a lot of rearranging work that has to happen. And then there's the final aspect, which is why you truly do need a professional, which is the audio mixing and mastering aspect. It's all good and well. Your podcast edited. You sound good. Now your intro music goes and it's five times the volume of your voice. Oh, we've heard that. Eh? How do you make your ears bleed very quickly? Yes, and it's actually, honestly, an unethical thing to do unintentionally because you can literally damage people's ears. So the audio mixing and mastering process involves making sure that all the le- volumes and levels are at a reasonable place, and making sure that they are up to industry standards so that your podcast doesn't sound way softer than somebody else's. It's doing things like reducing some background noise, putting some what you call equalization, compression, other sound effects to make your voice sound a little warmer, a little cleaner. These kinds of things take your podcast from a crappy Zoom recording into something that truly sounds professional. To answer the question right at the beginning, why would you want to use a professional instead of doing all of this yourself? Firstly, it's a time-consuming process that requires expertise. So if you want to get into editing, you're going to spend a lot of time doing research and practicing. You might not have that time or the inclination to do it. Professionals also have developed a feel for editing. So you have to figure out, when do I trim some of the gaps between the sentences and when do I leave them in? What sentences are completely superfluous to this conversation and what's actually contributing? So there's also that element of curating your content and polishing it. So trimming not just the very obvious issues, but some things that interrupt the actual flow of the podcast. And then finally, there's the really technical stuff the mixing and mastering, the sound engineering aspect, which will take your podcast from something that is unmixed and potentially unlistenable to a really pleasant listening experience. Gavin from Solid Gold Studios has some inputs as to why you should use a professional. 
It's useful to draw a parallel, perhaps. Just because you've got Photoshop doesn't mean you can become an ad agency and, and do full-page ads that go into the Sunday Times. Having a technical ability to do something is not the same as having um, the skill set required for the nuances and the subtleties and the, and the real thing that's happening. You know, it's a very good example of the Dunning-Kruger effect. The less you know, the more you think you know. Um, so just because you've got uh, audacity on your computer and you've got a webcam, you think you can make a podcast, technically, you're 100% correct. But if you haven't got the framework, if you don't know why you're making the podcast, if you don't know the purpose and what the real metrics of success are, you're going to be bouncing around in the dark, making the wrong thing for a while. It's not to say that there's no value in, in learning that way. But if you're a business and you're selling a product X, you've got an ad agency, you've got a billboard, you've got campaigns, you've got a website, you've got a marketing strategy, you've got all these things in place. It makes no sense to then tag onto that. Well, let's make a podcast that sounds completely amateurish, doesn't tie into our brand identity and sounds like crap. It just doesn't make any sense just because you can do it. And then we also spoke to Moshe. He is someone who was a video producer and got into podcast production semi-recently. And he has had his own journey developing as a podcast editor and figuring out his own workflow. My name is Moshe Singer, and I'm a multimedia content editor. And that broadly also involves podcast editing. The project that I've been mainly working on is it's called the Reclaiming Identity Podcast. And the organization who ran this project, they contacted me to do another project for them, another video edit, like to do a video for them. It was a slide animation, South Park style kind of animation. And I really love the work that they do. And then they asked me if I'd be interested in, you know, editing a podcast for them. I said, I'd never done it before, but I'm keen to try. And they gave me the opportunity and thank God I knocked it out the park. Honestly, it's been a confidence booster. It really has. You know, I always, I'm always editing the audio on my videos. Always. Always, always, always. But when when you start just doing the audio, you kind of get into a different zone because it's no longer visual. It, you don't have those visual cues when you're editing. You can't miss a beat when you're, when you're editing audio. You have to listen so carefully to everything. And to some degree, it can be a little bit of slug work because you don't also have that luxury to to go to your visual cue. You have to listen to, you know, everything. But I must say, it's, it's, it's been a huge confidence boost in terms of music production as well, because I've kind of also got into music mixing in the last two years as well, kind of like simultaneously. So, I mean, going from like just sound editing, which is, you know, like three, four tracks, you've got the music, the audio, the, the interview, and then a couple of sound effects to mixing a song. You've got like 30 tracks. And it kind of, it's, it's, yeah, it's been a lack of confidence. Now we're going to get to a topic that's also very much driven by your own taste and the strategy of your podcast, which is the pre-produced elements of your podcast. Billboards being an example of mm. this. Every podcast has its own identity, isn't it? And your billboards, the kind of music you use, the, the way you introduce it, the way you, you sum it up at the end, that's part of that identity, isn't it? Yeah, it's like your sonic, your audio branding. You can use your music and any other pre-produced elements to convey some kind of a feeling and emotion that you might not be able to get across with just your voice. So in the old days, now I'm going to give away my age here, but in the old days we had a radio station called Springbok Radio. 
And we we still reminisce about it and miss it. And and I think podcasting to some degree can fill that gap. But but if you Google it, you'll find some some clips and, and some programs from there. But all those programs on Springbok Radio had a very specific way of starting and ending. And you knew exactly what you were listening to, whether it was the Jet Jungle Show or the Chappy Chipmunk Club or Forces Favorites or whatever the show was. Swear Mark Mains with Esme and Yan. It had very specifically pre-produced ways music, wording, and and so on. And I think podcasts to some degree use that, but I've also seen a lot of podcasts that sort of go off that sort of radio approach to it. And I mean, I've listened to podcasts that only 10 minutes in, then they do their little intro, you know, their billboard. So there are very many ways that you can package this and, and, and make it sound unique. Yeah. And I'll say that this is really up to your own taste and up to the strategy of your podcast, your capacity for production, because it all adds extra lead time to getting your episode actually out there. There are some people who record a podcast, they press record, they press stop, they cut out the beginning and the end and they publish it. Mm. And there's people who have made successful podcasts like that. But I believe that if you want to cut through, you know, an, an added level of polish and personality really does help. So ultimately, it's up to you to figure out what exactly that looks like for your podcast. And this is one of those things where I wouldn't say that there are hard and fast rules, but there are real benefits of implementing some of the stuff. So mm-hmm. for example, an intro and outro billboard could save you a lot of time by just creating some table setting about what people are listening to. Sometimes you'll get into a podcast and you don't quite understand what it is that we're listening to. Or where are we going with this? So you can use your intro to really tell people, okay, this is who we are, this is what we stand for, and this is what you're going to listen to. And these exact same production elements can be used to create calls to action. So at the very end of your podcast, you could have a call to action to your website, you could tell people about exciting promotions that you have going on, all just gives you more opportunity to focus on the content when you're recording instead of worrying about all the other administrative tasks that you have to kind of get through as well in the course of your podcast. It also creates that sense of familiarity, which people like, you know, you when you mm. listen to the same thing, it's like watching a sitcom, you know, there's certain things are going to happen, there's a certain structure to it, there's a way it starts, there's a way it ends. I also think podcasts, a lot of the most interesting ones I've listened to have had a really strong hook in the beginning. It doesn't start with a billboard, it starts with some interesting piece of content like, what the hell is going on here? I want to listen more. And then we get into what is this about? And then we get into the the meat of things. Yeah. I mean, that's why we use the dad jokes, right? That's exactly why you decided. Yeah. Let, let's, let's do a really lame joke. At the very beginning of each script of each episode, it says, lame joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just to make it a little bit more fun because ultimately, as you know, this podcast is part of our content marketing strategy. We're using it to try to sell people books and get them to use our services. But if everything is always an ad, if your beginning of your podcast is always just an advert, people will eventually stop listening. It's like I'm not promoting the book every time we start this podcast. Not at the very beginning. No. We first hook them with the joke. Something, yes. And then we talk about the book right at the beginning because they might not listen to the end. And then we get into interesting content. Mm. I think it's completely fair to have those advertorial elements, those advertising elements in your podcast. But if your hook, the very beginning of your episode, is an advert. You're setting a weird tone. Look, I mean, we're also tired of adverts and, you know, strictly produced adverts. It's things people want to click away from. Like when I open up a YouTube video and it's a bloody ad, I can't wait to press skip ad. And yeah, so making the ad part of our content is different to having a strictly pre-produced ad for the book, for instance. How important is it to have 
a musical element. Do you need it at all or can you get away without it? And if you do have it, what role does it play? There's two aspects here. The billboards will have likely have music. And I think that's kind of expected. That, that, that's not out of the norm. And that's usually quite short. So you can definitely use music in your billboards to say something about your show. I personally don't like podcasts that have music the whole time. Yeah, I know. That would become boring. That, that an, it annoys me. And it, it feels like a crutch, personally, to me, to have music throughout your podcast. Mm. We call that bed music. Bed music, yes. Not bad music. Not bad music. Bed, bed music. music. Or in some cases, bad music. <laughs> Look, I think bed music can work well in short doses, which is why in radio, bed music works amazing. Yeah, because your link is two, three minutes and you're out. Exactly. So it sets the tone. It can maybe make the piece feel a little bit funnier, more sad. It, it adds a bit of emotion to it. And usually the bed music isn't super loud either. So you start it a little bit loud and then you go down and keep it down. However, you're doing an hour-long podcast episode and you have some beat playing the entire time it will eventually start to grade people, yeah, in my opinion. It'll, it'll distract from the content. Definitely. But I think that musical bridges are an incredible way to link topics together, especially if you're doing something like what we're doing, where we're having conversations interspersed with interview clips. Perhaps we hard cut to a second piece of the conversation a little bit later, and it doesn't quite make sense to go right from this one to that one. But a few seconds of music can really bridge it all together. And I think if you listen to any of the Gimlet podcasts or the documentary-style podcasts in general, they do really well with that. They just have like 15 seconds of some music. It also gives the listener a time to just sort of process what they've heard, give you a little breather, and something new is coming, so you have that expectation of, okay, let me concentrate again. Because, I mean, we all have short concentration spans. If we can concentrate for 15 seconds, that's a long time. So we need those little musical interludes just to give us a break and a breather and yeah. reset and, and get our brains to, to concentrate again. I will say, though, it's not necessary whatsoever. There are many podcasts who use no music ever, ever, ever. Uh, even the intro might not have music. And if the content's compelling, the content's yeah. compelling. But I would just say, maybe don't do it out throughout the whole episode. Use it sparingly yeah. and strategically. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Quick question people usually have is, okay, where do I get this music from? This might be obvious to a lot of you, but you cannot use copyrighted music. I'm saying this because it's a question I get a weird amount you know, of I want time. to use Tina Turner because she's now deceased and I want to use simply the best. If you want to pay... $100,000 to license that song by all means. So the places you'd get it from are from websites that you can license music from for cheap. There's a lot of those out there. Just Google royalty-free music and you'll find them. Royalty-free doesn't mean you don't have to pay. It means that you don't have to pay royalties. So you can license it once and then use it in perpetuity. It's usually mm -hmm. a couple dollars. Then there's another option you could do. It's called public domain music. Public domain means it's been around longer than 50 years or someone intentionally put it into the public domain, you're free to use it, no problem. The third option is really compelling, but it's only if you're a very specific person. If you are a musician, it's an amazing way, like what Kelsey did, using your own music in your podcast as a way to promote yourself. Well, the intro and outro are little original instrumentals that I have written, I suppose. And yeah, I've been writing and singing music my whole life. And the music that I've written so far is very much, I mean, usually it's just me on the piano accompanying myself while singing. Sometimes my older brother will, he's an amazing guitarist, so sometimes he'll come in with an acoustic guitar here and there. As of yet, I've only shared one original song on an episode with my brother, which was pretty cool. 
haven't really shared much else. Maybe giving me a few ideas to actually do more of that. Music has been an emotional outlet for me since I was probably born. Okay, so that takes care of music and your billboards and all those sort of things. So is there value in once you've now produced your, your podcast, you've edited, you've put it together, do you listen to it or you just put it out there and hope for the best? You have to listen to your podcast to improve. There is just no way around it. If you're not listening to your own content, why would anybody else listen to it? <laughs> exactly. So with us, what will happen is after this, for the next few weeks, I'll be producing these episodes. Then I'm going to give them to you to listen to and give me feedback. And then I'm going to improve and change and finally get to the final product that we're both happy with. If you were just to blindly trust it with me and then I publish it, there's not a second set of ears in it. There might be something that we I wanted to cut out that we didn't know. And again, how are you going to improve? So ultimately, you have to work on improving your content, like what Benji's going to talk about now. Each person's wired slightly differently. So for some, starting a podcast sounds so scary. So if you are a new podcaster, it may take you taking that leap first and then starting to build as you go. For others, you're in it just enough. You're a relatively new podcaster. Maybe you're five to 10 episodes in, and now you're getting into the real game. You're realizing, oh, it's more tough than I thought it would be to find guests for a show. It's more tough than I thought it would be to be an engaging host. There's a lot of promo that has to happen on the back end of a podcast. Our audience isn't growing. So if you're in that space, really starting to listen to the voices of even if it's only a few people telling you what they like about your episodes, really double down. Try to get in as many conversations where you can ask follow-up questions as possible. If you can book a 15 to 30 minute meeting with a listener of your show and you can say, Hey, you told me like the last episode was great. Can you like tell me specifically, what did you like about that episode? Was there something I did that I could double down on? Was there a topic or a question I could have asked that I can go find another guest and we could do a whole episode on something you, you know, really listening to your audience, specifically when they fall in the, the demographic of who you hope listens to that show more. So in our case, like I mentioned, we talked specifically when we have guests on to CMOs, we want the C-suite marketer. If that executive level marketer messages me on LinkedIn, you better believe I'm going to ask 10 follow-up questions to understand what they loved about the last episode. And as often as you can do that, that's going to help you niche down. I think niching down is, a, that's the advice you'll probably hear the most often, but is also really murky. We don't actually know how to niche down all the time. And I think most of it comes from listening to people that listen to your show, which I know sounds a little meta, but the more questions you can ask, you're going to gain a sense of clarity of future topics, future guests, maybe even redefining your description. Some of these like little things that just go into a podcast, the more that you uh, you talk to people that, that are listening, it's, it's going to help you do that better. And look, Listening to your own voice is not like the most fun thing in the world. Nobody really enjoys it unless you've like done a lot of voiceovers and you're very used to it. So that is one of the reasons people tend to not want to listen to their podcasts. But ultimately, like what Logan's going to explain, you've got to listen to your show. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge because like, you know, a lot of the time I'll be sitting there, I'll be like, you will film the podcast, everything. And then afterwards I'm watching, I'm just going, oh my gosh, look out. Dude, why did you do that? Like, oh my gosh, you made so many mistakes. Oh my gosh, why did you do that? That's so stupid or whatever. I definitely have that effect when I watch myself. When I watch myself, it's very different to when I'm just like, you know, in the moment talking. So at drama school, they said to us, 
I'm going to give you a note. You can either take the note or you can ignore it. It's up to you. But here's the note. Yeah. You need to get notes, ultimately. There's always something that you're doing that you aren't even realizing there's a problem. I have crutch words. Everybody has crutch words. Get other people to listen to your show. Listen back to your show with a critical ear. Maybe write some notes, internalize it, and take it for the next episode. So what did we learn today? That you can become an editor if you really put your mind to it and, and edit your own sound. Or you can use the services of a professional like this man sitting here next to me, Ethan, who's a, a consummate a professional podcast editor. And, and, you know, it's kind of services that we do provide. So if you do get stuck with that, well, give us a shout. We've also learned about music and how to use music and to set the mood and the tone of your show, how to use it as bridges. And yeah, if you want to learn anything more about podcasting, well, get my book. It's called Become a Podmaster. It's available on our website, bear.media or wherever you buy books online. And we do have a six-week mentorship program. So if you do want to start a podcast and not quite sure how to do it, we will take you through it step-by-step, holding your hand and practically help you to produce your first episode, plan your series and do all the other bits and pieces that is required for... These are all that are required. Is required. Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces that are required. Are, look, look at us figuring out language patterns at the same time. <laughs> to produce your podcast. So go to our website, bed.media. All the information is there. <laughs>